Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Wind Up Podcast. I am your host, Mike of MTGA Wines. It is good to be back after the long weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself uh, over Memorial Day. It was a blast. We had our annual Bottle Rock Music Festival to supplement uh, tastings and hosting folks out at the winery. So we were able to go catch a few or quite a bit of the shows actually there. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, it's it's a, it's a festival, so that it's, it's a lot of people. But it seems to be one of the smaller ones out there, and it's very well organized. Plus, it's like Napa restaurants, Napa wine. If you need your cheap beer or cocktail, you got that there. Well, let's be honest, cheap for festivals like $12 for a beer and like $20 for a hot dog. That's kind of how it runs. For those of us that, you know, are okay being charged, we kind of equate it to going to a baseball game. You know you're going to get gouged a little bit, but it's still going to be a lot of fun, right? So it wasn't really wasn't all that bad, price-wise. Uh, but it was an amazing time. And I realized, I've been thinking for the last week, you know, this is the fifth Wednesday in May. It is May 31st. Uh, we have a bonus episode because there's five Wednesdays in May. Initially, as some of you know already, I plan on doing four episodes a month because I was going to release this every Wednesday. I figured that's perfect. You know, that gives us, uh, you know, easily 48 episodes a year. Easy math. And then in my, I guess, naivete, didn't even think to about months that, hey, there's actually a fifth Wednesday. So these fifth Wednesdays are kind of an opportunity to dive into some different things and maybe take this, you know, take a show a little bit of a different direction than what we have been doing for the last few weeks and kind of maybe spark some different topics and just talk about things that, you know, pertain to the wine industry, but maybe, you know, broaden the scope of, of what we talk about here a little bit. Uh, and since we have this music festival in our rearview mirror, I figured it was the perfect time to really dive into wine as an art form. Because I look at music very much like art. And I think many, many people do, the way it kind of elicits emotions and memories. Uh, it's very, very synonymous with wine in that sense. That if you're opening up you know, a bottle of wine from a producer you visited here in Napa or abroad somewhere, you're immediately transported back to that time you had there or the first time you had that wine or maybe the friend that introduced you to that wine. And now, and now you have this great memory, you know, much like when you go to your first concert and you remember the ins and outs of going to that show. I can tell you right now that I was actually growing up, I was not allowed to go to concerts. Sorry, mom and dad, I remember this very vividly. And it might have been okay, but I, the shows I wanted to go to, I was not allowed to go to. Growing up, for better or for worse, in our household, I had the privilege of listening to a lot of John Tesh, Enya, a lot of the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. Saw that show like three times before I actually ended up going to uh, a concert, per se. Um, my musical history, it's something that Brittany and I talk about all the time, was very stunted in its growth in my youth. And the first time I really started getting into music was I had an aunt and an uncle that bought me a couple uh, CDs. And one was, the, the like one Christmas, they got me Queen Greatest Hits, which was a great first, great first, you know, 
set of songs to, to listen to. I'm going to really explore something different. But the next one was No Doubt Tragic Kingdom, which is still arguably, I think, one of the best albums ever made. Uh, it's just, it's, I mean, if you're into that, like, punk rock and ska kind of scene in California, like I am, it's, you know, it's the whole, it's one of the holy grail kind of records, right? And I remember that show so vividly down at Shoreline Amphitheater uh, here in Northern California. Um, the, my first show so vividly because it happened to be, no doubt, and I was so excited. They were headlining it. Uh, Phantom Planet opened uh, for those of you that don't know who they am, they did the OC song California um, for that TV show that was super popular at one point. I never watched it personally, but apparently they did the song for that. And then uh, Blink-182, which uh, just awesome. And then No Doubt finally went on. And that was my first show. And I like there's so much emotion tied up with the friends I was with. Uh, how we got there, how we got tickets, what we did. I think I'm pretty sure I still have the T-shirt that I bought at that show. Um, it just like I, it just it makes me all warm and fuzzy remembering that show. And wine, I think, can do that as well. It's it's interesting the way that it can because it's you know it's just a beverage, right? At a certain point. But it has the ability to go back and reach into the memory banks and say, hey, you remember that one time we were drinking wine with these people and that person and we opened up this? And, and all of a sudden you start reminiscing about the things that you were doing. And I don't think you can really do that. I've never had that experience with beer or a cocktail. Um, maybe, you know, maybe a certain uh, dish or you know, food can do that because you remember something you, had, you know, ate when you were traveling somewhere or, or at a friend's house, whatever the case may be. But... It seems like wine and music in that way of eliciting emotion and memories seems to be very, very synonymous. And I think it has everything to do with the art form, with maybe some exceptions, right? Now, and I apologize, I'm, I'm sipping on some coffee. I'm still playing catch up. A three-day music festival, it's now, you know well past that I'm still catching up on some sleep so I'm gonna be I'm sipping on my third cup of coffee this morning just trying to keep up now I think the the interesting thing about both wine and music and I'm, I'm no music expert I just very simply know what I like I can't even tell you like, like the names of the people in my favorite bands necessarily except for maybe one or two of them like that's not how my brain works like you asked me about a specific wine that I had and when and who was there I can lock in and tell you all about that. Music, for whatever reason, I've never been, even song names. I don't even, I don't know song names necessarily. I don't know album names. I just know what I like. And that is another thing that translates very, very well from wine and music. It's just, you know what you like. And no one can tell you any different. You know, when I started listening to music and finally started getting into it, I had a lot of friends that were into rap and hip hop. Uh, Chronic 2001 uh, through Dr. Dre had come out and they were all into that. Eminem was kind of exploding onto the scene. Um, Limp Biscuit and that rock rap kind of hybrid before Linkin Park came in into the fold uh, was happening. And I was like, I'm just not into this stuff. Like, it's it's fine. Like, like I'm not mad at it. It's actually it was kind of funny because I hear these dudes that are yelling and cussing and talking shit. And, and it just it was more entertainment than it was like emotional, like I'm tied into this music. But for whatever reason, like no doubt Tragic Kingdom, listening to that thing cover to cover, I can do that. I do that. I actually do that multiple times a year, probably even a couple of times a month, uh, is listen to that album cover to cover just because it just brings back so much memory. 
And I think wine is very synonymous in, in that way, right? Is that it has, you know, this just amazing knack for being subjective where some people are going to absolutely love the top 20 billboard hits you have the swifties going crazy right now with the eras tour and i'm like i know some taylor swift songs but you know she seems very talented and apparently has a lot of boy trouble if you read the internet enough and i don't know i just don't you know Good. If I if I, if she's on a stage somewhere and I happen to have a ticket to watch her, then great. But if not, it's not something I go out of my way for. And I, you know, I have friends that are like, I have to get to one of her shows. I'm kind of like that with Blink 182 now reunited with with the trio. Tom's back in the fold. They're coming out to Sacramento towards the end of June. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have to go to that show. Like it's such such a an amazing experience that I had the first time I saw him and the next couple of times I saw him now that the, it's kind of the, uh, one of the OG lineups, uh, after they axed their first drummer, you know, for those that don't know, Travis Barker was not their original drummer. See, there's a little bit of music trivia that I know. Right. Um, but it's like, it's one of those bands that I'm like, I have to go see. And there are certain wines that when they're released, I'm like, I need to try these or I need to buy a few bottles so I can check them out for like the same reason, because it's like, I love what they do. I love how they incorporate into our life and, and how we enjoy these wines at home or with friends or whatever the case may be. Like the parallel, I could just keep going on and on and on and on and on about the parallels. But what I really, really wanted to get into was kind of the, I think, the direction of the manufacturing of wine and music versus the art form of wine and music. Because that's something that us as small producers out here, we talk about all the time. It's all about your senses and what you taste and what you smell. And we're making these judgment calls based on what the wine needs versus what it has to taste like. And musician, musicians, did I say that? Did I say that dumb? Musicians? That's right. You ever have one of those moments where you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm saying this dumb and <laughs> and I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm, that just happened. I'm pretty sure I nailed it. So we're just moving forward. Anyway, you have this, you know, ebb and flow of, you know what? Hey, if I hit this note or this chord at this point or I add this or we do that, it adds this X factor to the song or, or you mess with the timing signature or whatever. Like you have something that you can do to enhance and bring an album or a song to like a next level. And the same thing happens with wine, where there are certain things you do or not do for that matter that will bring a song to the next level. And I guess the real impetus for this uh, uh, conversation is it's Friday night. It's the first, this is last Friday. If you're listening to this down the road, this is the first Friday of Bottle Rock. So it's right you know, on the Friday before Memorial Day. And the two headliners that night that were like, you know, we wanted to see were number one for me was Smashing Pumpkins. Had never seen them and loved their music. Good old fashioned, like 90s rock band. There's no one else out there that really sounds like them these days, except for maybe like Silver Sun Pickups or someone along those lines. They have this, very, you know, I love them. They're just this very unique sound. I loved having to, you know, playing Guitar Hero and having to try and play Trub Rock like, <laughs> and it was a pain in the ass, but we get through it uh, to get past that level. And then uh, uh, at the main stage, they were at one of the, the kind of second biggest stage. And at the main stage was Post Malone, which 
for all intents and purposes, puts on a great show. Am I in love with his music? No, but he's a performer. Uh, we actually have some friends that work in the music industry. They've worked uh, around like his crew and want them to have like nothing but the nicest things to say about the guy. So we're not, we're nowhere near that orbit, but you know, like you hear it through a friend of a friend kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, if we can go see him, we might as well. I mean, tickets to see him alone are probably not cheap. So if we're, he's at this festival, we might as well go try and see him. Um, but I very specifically said, I was like, you know what? It's kind of just one guy singing into a microphone and it's just, it's just all auto-tuned and I don't really care. Like I, it'd be fun to see him, but me personally, I'm just not like, I'd rather go see Smashing Pumpkins, which is why they're number one for me. And I know full well how much auto-tune is used within the industry. It's, it's so pervasive and there's so many different, so much technology and science that goes into producing music, whether it's at a live show or it's being, especially when it's being recorded to make it sound, you know, right. But I was like, you know, I don't know. It just, this seems like kind of the good old fashioned rock band yelling into a microphone versus the guy that's a little bit more manufactured. So I wanted to, you know, give kind of credit where credit was due in my mind for the band that was playing all the instruments, you know, and has been doing it for what, 30, 35 years at this point, um, versus, you know, we'll probably have another chance to see Post Malone, hopefully, because it'd be cool to see him. But I'm like, it's just, it seems like it's more manufactured to me. I'm typically not a big fan of the top billboard charts at music anyway it's just not my style of music so i'm just gonna he'll he'll be secondary and it's just that sec subjective opinion of i want to kind of support whom i think is the artist versus whom i think kind of relies more on the manufacturing of music to you know be popular and that seems like kind of a dick thing to say now having said it out loud that probably seems kind of rude <laughs> but it's how i felt at the moment in having to make a choice, what stage am I going to go to? And it would just so happen that at the beginning of the month, I had a very similar question when it came to wine. And uh, we're out in uh, Kansas City. We're doing an event uh, on a Saturday night. And uh, a gal and I get to talking about just wine, what we buy, how we buy, and what wines we drink at home. And she asked very, very candidly, you know, what wines from like the big producers you buy like these are the wines that are readily available they're easy to find you know whether it's sterling camus silver oak prisoner and, and rattled off like kind of the name brands of the wine industry uh here in the united states and it was like which one of these like do you buy and do you recommend that we buy and and i told her i don't like if you whatever you want to buy go for it but i don't buy or drink any of those wines and she looked at me like i was crazy she's like wait what do you mean you don't buy any of these wines and i had i kind of had to explain just that same opinion but in wine terms of you know all these guys they wouldn't be where they are their, their businesses wouldn't be as, as successful as they are if the wine wasn't good or good enough right but i have no interest in those wines to be completely, I mean, shoot, I actually last week tried some silver oak and I'm like, oh, that's right. This is why I'm not a huge fan of silver oak. And it's nothing, and it's not that I hate them as a label or, you know, you know, think they're doing it wrong. It's just, it's not to my taste. You know, silver oak as an example, like, and that much American oak, 
that's brand new that they throw at. I think it's 100% probably still American oak that they, that's been their thing for a long time. Uh, I've never actually worked there or made the wine, or, but so I don't know exactly. But it's just it's it's so heavy handed. And it's so intense. I'm like, give this wine like 30 years and then I'll try it because it's just there's so much and it's overbearing for me. So again, very subjective. And I'm like, and I know how much wine they make. You know, the same goes for any of those other labels. Like, I know how much wine you make. Like, it's not the small boutique, you know, local, I don't know, band or whatever that we're supporting. We're supporting kind of the big guys, which, you know, no harm, no foul. Again, you know, if, if you want to, you know, you get to decide where your, your dollars are going, if it tastes good or if it sounds good, have at it. Interestingly enough, yesterday, or uh, yeah, uh, day before yesterday, yesterday we had a group out to the winery. They were talking about like their favorite local band. They're like, they, they're an amazing cover band. They have some of their own music that's also really, really good. We love them and we want, you should try, if you're ever out in our area, you should try and see them, but don't tell anybody. We don't want them to get big. We don't want them to be the cool kids. We don't want them to be mass producing music. We want them to stay cool and local, <laughs> right? So again, the, the 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 parallels between wine and music of you know big and manufactured and popular versus maybe smaller. You still draw a crowd, but it's not going to be you know on the top charts kind of thing. And, and all these conversations kind of led to me thinking about this just more and more and more. Just the art versus the science, the small versus the big, and then you know we as small producers. And small businesses, we love to talk trash about the big guys, right? We love it because it's it's easy to say, oh, well, you're, you're not going to get the service that you get with us. You're not going to meet the people actually doing the work. You're not going to be able to do this, that. You're getting something that you can find anywhere and everywhere. It's not unique. It's unique, but it's not necessarily special anymore, right? Because it's so easy to get. And it's just different but it's also kind of monotone you know it just kind of is what it is where you find kind of the cool quote-unquote band or singer that's doing something unique and different as small or up and coming it's like oh look at this it's so exciting you're kind of at the you know the the, the tip of the spear of this thing being potentially discovered whether it's wine or music or some sort of artist in some way shape or form you're like oh here it comes Hopefully they're successful, but we don't want them to get too big and lose who they really are. It's kind of the don't forget where you came from conversation, right? And it's it's an interesting conversation to have. And as it pertains to wine, this is it's something that we struggled with and I still struggle with to this day because MTGAs in the wines that we make are just small enough that they're not, I mean, commercial success is not how we're built in terms of being widely available across the US and grocery stores, liquor stores, restaurants, the whole nine. We're in, this, our brands and how we've crafted them are not set up for what many people would consider commercial success. And many small businesses are the same way. It's like, you're gonna pay your bills and take care of you know paying the mortgage and putting food on the table. Are you gonna be a household name? No, you're probably not. And it's it's something that you kind of can either try to do and work your way up those ranks and become the highly rated, highly reviewed, popular wine, or you can, you know, be somewhere floating around the middle in there. And I think that's where 
kind of the dividing line is for the art and science of winemaking. Because the, the two, two camps are, right, we talked about natural wine uh, and why I, I despise it in a, in a previous episode. Look that up. It's, it's, it's a fun one of me just telling you why natural wine's dumb. Uh, <laughs> and you have that side of it where it's like the wine's in essence going to make itself. Mother Nature gave us everything we need. We don't need to do anything. It's our job just to guide it to being wine. And then you have the, we're trying to make this wine exactly the same year in, year out, day in, day out, whatever the case is, and it's going to be manufactured. You know, there, there, there are plenty of wines that are mass produced where much like any other mass produced beverage, like it's basically stripped of flavor, color, and everything and you have kind of the, you know, distillate of it. And then you add back whatever you need through the juice itself, extracts, concentrates, anything anything and everything to make it taste exactly how you want it to taste, right? You can, it's, I use this analogy all the time, you're gonna hear me say it all the time, it's the reason a Big Mac tastes like a Big Mac. It's food science, it is engineered and manufactured to taste a specific way so that when you eat that burger, you know exactly what you're getting. And a mass-produced, manufactured wine is no different realistically because you can doctor it up to taste however you want. And there are certain things that can be done to make sure your wine is what you need it to be for commanding whatever market share or clientele that you have, right? And then the natural wine side of things is the exact opposite. It's it's just, hey, we're making this, it's gonna be funky and it's gonna be weird. And you know, if you're into funky weird stuff, you're into funky weird stuff. I feel like natural wine is a lot like jazz. Like it kind of sucks a lot of times, but when someone really nails it, it's really damn good, right? <laughs> I, I feel like that's a good musical analogy for natural wine is jazz. Because a lot of jazz is just pretty bad. But you find like a cool, cool jazz band in like a dimly lit bar that's actually like really got a good vibe going. It can be super cool, right? Natural wine's a lot like that. Now, those are kind of the two very vocal, I would say, minorities on either side, right? Because you have like the clean wine movement and the natural wine movement, rah, rah, rah. And then you have the big producer manufactured stuff that is the, you know, the pervasive, that's that's the pop, that's the top 20 charts. You hear it every day on the radio. It's easy to find. It's everywhere, right? You're just going to see it. You're just going to be inundated with it. If you're looking, if you're just paying attention, you'll see it, right? And then you have everything in the middle where you have some folks that say, you know what, I need to make sure that our wine is XYZ, but I don't want to use any of the additives and extracts, so we're gonna use the science up to a point and then make sure there's kind of a hard stop. And then you have the other side of that, where it's, you know what, we're gonna kind of let this ride and see where it goes, but if I need a backstop, I have it in the science. So along that spectrum, you have this wide range of things you can do. And I assume, not ever having made music before, it's very similar. Where, you know, given a certain time and period, there's certain music that is very, very popular. And it's easy to jump on board and just say, hey, we're gonna try and sound like X, or we're gonna try and move in this direction. And some of that, I'm sure, comes from inspiration from other bands. I mean, that's the same for winemakers. You taste a wine that's kind of unique and interesting and special. Like, ooh, I wonder if I could play with that. I wonder if I could play with that and see if I can 
adapt it or evolve with it and do something a little bit different. Then you have bands and their sound changes over the years to kind of suit the style that they're getting into. And I think that wine can be very much the same, where you see producers, they kind of slowly change and evolve, and then they, they, they always kind of stay true, I think, to themselves. I think you have to at a certain point, but there are going to be vintages and maybe other wines that they make that are going to be very, very different. Um, hence why Brittany started Blair Payton Wines, why I have another wine project that I'm working on uh, in the wings as well, to kind of do something kind of fun and different and play around a little bit more and not be stuck with just a single style that you're trying to focus on. Try and do some different things and have some fun with it as well in the same light. So it's, it is that just that tug of war. How much do you want to rely on the science? How much do you want to rely on just nature doing its thing? And it's one of the, and we talk about this all the time when we're on the road, when we're hosting tastings. And it's, it's one of those things that we as small producers, we talk, we try and talk about a lot because I just saw this like random, like little commercial of like someone describing, oh, here are how many ingredients that are in this chicken sandwich and why you shouldn't be eating it. And then they, then like in the after video, he's like drinking a, a like a, a soda of some sort. I don't even remember which one it was. But I'm like, dude, like you can't you can't rail on like the manufactured stuff and then be drinking a Coke. Like that doesn't make any sense. The same reason, like why you know in the episodes where we talked a lot about extracts and additives, uh, definitely go back to if you're interested in like the extract and additive kind of stuff and how it pertains and some of how this food science pertains to winemaking we covered that in the first couple episodes and we'll be diving more and more into that as we get closer to our year of winemaking which will start in this august and some about the different things that we can do or that can be done uh, to a wine specifically but it's like it's it was one of those things and i think i said it in that episode it was you know i can't sit here and rail on these producers for doing that. like you know all these extracts and additives i can't believe you do that i'm like dude i ate a bag of hot cheetos yesterday do you know how much nonsense is in that bag of hot cheetos all of it in fact all of it's nonsense it's heavily manufactured and processed but damn it they're delicious so you don't want to be hypocritical about it you have to kind of keep that in perspective so you know when i hear you know post malone and i say you know, I don't really want to see him because I think he's just manufactured kind of popular music. It kind of is that same vibe of like, you know what? There's plenty of stuff that you enjoy that's manufactured. And I make no mistake, the Smashing Pumpkins, as great as I think they are, have their tricks of the trade as well to get the sounds they want out of their instruments and probably out of Billy Corgan's vocal cords. So, you know, whatever the case may be, <laughs> like there's, there are certain exceptions. And one of the most important things, I would say the A number one most important thing, whether it's music or wine, because it's something that we preach, is to remember that if you like it, it's good. Don't let anybody tell you it's different. It could be the top 20 Billboard hits. It could be the bands you've never heard of before in your life. It really doesn't matter. As long as you enjoy it, that is what matters. And this was that conversation in Kansas City, like when someone asked me, what what big producer do you buy? And I say, I don't buy any of them. She immediately felt bad. She's like, oh, now I feel like I'm dumb. She said, like, I feel like I'm dumb for buying these because if you guys aren't drinking them, we probably shouldn't be drinking them. And I had to sit there and be like, no, 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 please. That's not what I meant. If you like those wines, drink them. Go for it. Have at it. it, it this is not like, there's no wrong way to enjoy it. Now, if, if, 
I did have to I did have to sit through Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> this weekend. And when you hear Call Me Maybe, you're like, I am dead inside. <laughs> you're like, I know I, this is just this ain't it. This ain't it. And that song was such a meme when it came out. You're like, I got to hear it. I got to hear it. You know, I just have to. I got to try it once. Right. It was terrible. Carly Rae Jepsen, you seem very talented, but sorry, I can't. That song is, oh, it was so cringy. I'm glad I had had multiple beers by that point. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like every once in a while, you're like, oh, that was, mm, I understand why it's popular. I don't like it. And the same thing happened, you know, trying that silver oak. I'm like, I get why it's popular. I really, when I tried that glass of silver oak last week, I was like, man, I understand why it's popular. But man, I just, I, it's not my thing. It is not my thing. And I felt, I felt, it's just, it, it's kind of that, that weird thing where you, as much as we talk about like, hey, this is how to enjoy it. This is how uh, to listen to music. Vinyl sounds better than CDs. It sounds better than Bluetooth uh, versus, hey, these small producers taste better than the big guys. It doesn't matter. Just enjoy it for what it is. And it's okay to give people a hard time about it. And if they take that seriously, that's on them. You all know by this point, I love talking a little bit of shit. So, you know, anytime I can kind of get my jabs in, I go for it. There weren't really, I'm like looking at the lineup over here on my other screen. I'm like, there wasn't really anyone. Actually, I will say Wu-Tang Clan put on a killer show. Killer show. They put on a great show. Camp was actually very surprising at this last uh, festival. The National, I, that was a fun one. So Brittany has been a national fan forever, and I she listens. She plays their music all the time around the house in the car, whatever. I'm like, I just don't get it. Like, it's not really my thing. Seeing them live though, and there are bands that are like that, right? That you hear it recorded, and you're like, I just don't get it. Band of Horses is another band that I'm like, I don't. It's 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 just not my thing. And then they came out. This was probably a few years ago. We saw them at Bottle Rock, and you're like, oh, this is very different than what I thought it was. Like their their recorded stuff is trash, but them live is really good. It's kind of how I feel about the national. Rec the recorded stuff, I'm like, eh, it's not really my thing, but the live is amazing. Oh, we did see Cheryl Crow. That was just fun. I mean, it's, yeah, that was just fun. Bastille was pretty good. Not Again, not my favorite music, but they put on a good show. We did catch a little bit of Thievery Corporation. This is like the humble brag. Here's all the cool bands we got to see this last weekend. Uh, oh, Airborne Toxic event was awesome. So were the Struts. We did get to see Neo because Dogstar was there. Uh, so Keanu Reeves and his band. Well, it's not his. It's like their band. Uh, they haven't played a show in like 20 years or something, but they were here. So seeing Neo and John Wick up on the stage like 40 feet away was kind of rad. Uh, Airborne Toxic event was great. That song, was it After Midnight? Whew, heart-wrenching. Um, I think that was pretty much it. We, there was a bunch of other stuff. They were like really solid but like that's kind of the great thing about like the music festival you get to like peruse around and see what you see and maybe you find a really solid band that you never heard of and maybe you just you know see the people that you want to see it was a great great show um and it really i mean the translation to to wine was just perfect perfect to have this conversation about you know this art versus and the subjectivity and just you like what you like and don't worry about it so much 
because it's it's one of those things where it's like you go to a tasting event. We're actually for those um, shameless plug here. We're going to be in the East Coast, um, in New York, DC area, and and in Philly uh, in June. Uh, we have tickets available on our website mtjwines.com. Shameless self promotion. Uh, so if you're on the East Coast, uh, check out those tickets on our website. Uh, but we're going with a handful of other wineries. So there's going to be six of us uh, in total. Uh, we rent them out of space. Uh, hanging out, pouring wine uh, for folks. And this is what we tell people, you know, at this event is like, go around, try a little bit of everything, kind of like a music festival or, you know, or you're out in Napa and you're doing a day of tasting, you're hitting up two or three wineries. It's kind of like that. You're trying to kind of get the lay of the land and maybe experience something different, maybe see or go to a place or taste wine that you know you love and you just want to see what's new and different, like seeing a band that's putting out some new music. You want to go and see how they're performing it now. It's very synonymous. And you're going to find some stuff that hits. You're going to find some stuff that doesn't. And either way, you're probably going to have a good time. Yeah, I had to sit through Call Me Maybe, but there was a bunch of other stuff going on that was really, really cool. Uh, very much like going wine tasting or coming to an event and, and hanging out with a bunch of us yahoos and drinking wine for an evening, you're going to find some stuff that you really, really enjoy, most likely. You may find some stuff that you don't really enjoy. And both of those things are equally okay and important to enhancing your overall experience of wine or music or whatever it is that you're into. Um, is just trying new things and getting out there and getting after and just seeing what's going on. So it's it's just, it's amazing to me how similar uh, these two industries are. And it's something that you know, the more I talk about it, and even the, as I was thinking about it, like, how does this really, really connect? And it was the one thing that I was like really paying attention to throughout this last week. And I was trying not to work too hard so I could just enjoy the music. But at a certain point, my brain kicks in. It's like, this is kind of crazy how similar both music and wine are in their science, in their art form, how they're both enhanced or not, or manufactured or not, and what people like them. Because we, I think any, any one of us can remember growing up and you're into a certain style of music. This is that Queen Greatest Hits album I was talking about at the very beginning. I remember bringing that to school and being ridiculed because it wasn't Eminem, it wasn't Dr. Dre, it wasn't any West Coast rap. It was just, it wasn't what was popular. And I was basically shunned for a couple of weeks because like, oh, Queen, what are you? You know, you can imagine all the insults that started flying. So kids are assholes. But it was one of those things that any of us can remember. Like all of a sudden you're not into the cool thing and people give you health for it for whatever reason right and then as we grow into our own we realize oh I really don't care what you think I'm gonna listen and enjoy what I enjoy and that's that there have been plenty of times actually not I shouldn't say plenty there have been literally a handful of times count them on one hand where someone's come out to the winery or been doing a tasting event somewhere and someone's been like you know what the wines are fine but they're not for me and I'm like all right cool no harm no foul Thanks for coming out and give me, giving me some of your time and bending your ear a little bit. Uh, that happens very, very rarely, but it does happen. I mean, the same thing's true of music, right? You hear a song, like, you're like, ah, I'm not really that into it, but, you know, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to change the radio station necessarily. So it's, it's something that just is, it's, ah, the parallels. I keep going back to it. It's just, 
it's amazing to have these industries kind of do what they do because you're always going to have your your old reliables, your line them up to knock them down, the bands that you love, the wine that you love, and no one can tell you any different, and you can just enjoy them. And then it still leaves room for exploration and enjoying other stuff as well and trying to figure out what else is out there. I mean, I can tell you right now, pretty much every time I get into the car at this stage, the music I'm listening to is some combination of New Found Glory, Blink-182, um, what else has been in there recently? Actually, I've been listening to a lot of Metallica too recently. And it actually, it's pretty much those three. Those are the three, like if I'm just getting into a car or actually um, uh, Silver Sun pickups as well, those four. Those are like, it, it's whatever, wherever I'm going, whatever I'm doing, I queue up one of their songs and I just put it on shuffle on a playlist because I'm still that guy that makes playlists. And I just, and then I just drive and do whatever I got to do. I got to run to the warehouse and ship some orders today, right after I'm done recording this. Uh, so I'm gonna put on some music and just, you know, run my errands and do the work that I got to do. And it's like those four that are just my staples. They're always there right now, and that's what I'm getting after. Uh, very similar to the wine side of things. It's I've been drinking a lot of like Phillips Hill lately uh, from Anderson Valley. Uh, it's been a lot of just kind of miscellaneous Napa cabs uh, that we've been trying, whether it's been uh, from Bremer um, or Jessup Cellars um, and a couple others. You know, it, it's just kind of like, yeah, we have these, let's try them and see what they're all about. Well, it, basically, you're putting your wine selection on shuffle and just saying, all right, we'll pick one to start and then we'll figure out where we end up after the fact, right? It's kind of how we've been operating lately um, and during this like spring season between music and enjoying wine. It's crazy how similar these two are. Uh, man, it's pretty, pretty wild. So I think, uh, man, I don't know if there's anything else I can really delve into. I think the, the lesson learned after this weekend was actually very, this is the great thing about being in and around it, is that you, you still kind of learn something, you know, every week, every month something else going on this like these random conversations whether it was out in kansas city or at the music festival or or yesterday you know talking about the kind of local band that someone didn't want to blow up it's amazing how it translates so well um, to other industries and that still the utmost of the utmost importance is do you like it and don't let anybody tell you any different you might get razzed a little bit but that typically, remember in elementary school when someone was making fun of you, that means they really like you? I'm pretty sure that's how it works, right? That's how it works. I do have to tell my friends this, or any new people within our group, is, by the way, if I don't talk trash to you, you know I don't like you. Because I know you can't take a joke. And frankly, I don't have time for that. Because I say some pretty outlandish stuff every once in a while. And with that, you got to be able to shrug it off. <laughs> and if you can't, we're probably not going to be friends. I'm probably going to be super offensive. And you're going to hate me very, very fast. Uh, so don't take it too seriously. Just enjoy it for what it is. And hopefully, if you are getting razzed for it, it means that person actually cares about you. And they just like talking shit like I do. We'll go with that. There are definitely exceptions to that, let's say. But hey. All is fun and love and war and music and wine, right? All right. With that, we'll end it there. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in to another episode. 
this is this is a this is what's so cool about the wine industry, the music industry, any kind of artistic endeavor is that there is this ebb and flow between that art and the science. You have to decide where you want to be and how you want to conduct yourself. And you still can enjoy everything that's available along that spectrum for different reasons. You know, unless it's natural wine, because I don't enjoy that. That's, yeah, you know. But there's still plenty of room for everybody along that spectrum. And you can just kick back, relax, put on some good tunes, grab a good glass of wine, whatever it may be, and let it rip. That's the beauty of it. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're going to be back next week talking a little bit more nuts and bolts of the wine business in terms of logistics and supply chain and kind of some of like the raw material stuff that's needed to get a wine from start to finish. Uh, so that'll be released next Wednesday. Uh, please remember to share uh, this with any wine-loving friends. Uh, be sure to uh, submit in the comments or head to our website, again, mtgawines.com, uh, to submit questions for our monthly Q&As. If there's anything uh, wine, hospitality, artistic, or science-related when it comes to wine and the enjoyment or just knowledge of it, please submit those so we can get those into our Q&A. Uh, the more you share this and the more people download it, the better we do on the algorithm and it makes the podcast easier to find. So any and all support, and for those of you listening, has been just outrageously amazing. This has been a ton of fun and very excited to keep it going. So have an amazing rest of the week. Coast on into the weekend, pop yourself a good glass of wine, and we'll catch you next Wednesday. Cheers.